Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is uh, America. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming along with us as we build the bridge to conversation throughout our great nation. You're listening to the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant, and hey, we got a fantastic show for you here today. We're also going to insert into this show a uh, true dedication to Americans uh, of black ancestry in this country who fought in uh, the wars, the Civil Wars, and the Spanish-American Wars. They were known as Buffalo Soldiers. Yeah, they are a forgotten uh, group of men in many cases, but today we want to uh, bring them back to the fore because they did what they did in order for all of us, even at this present time, to look at ourselves as people who were victorious instead of people who were victims. Uh, I think if uh, the Buffalo soldier or any soldier from the past era, any of the civil rights workers, uh, anyone from the past era, if they could see the state of black America now, as far as the mindset is concerned, not as far as that economy is concerned, uh, black America is taking advantage of the economy. But there are certain pockets, there are certain groups that have been um, co-opted, uh, corralled, uh, brought in to the web of deception that they cannot overcome obstacles that everyone else has to overcome if you're going to succeed in this nation. Are you hearing me? That's what we are looking to shed light on here today. The mission, the purpose of the soldier, whether it's red, yellow, black, or white, then is still uh, the mission and the purpose today. Some of them went in uh, to the military to avoid going to jail. Let's just face it. Uh, some uh, went into the military because they felt a true call of duty to a nation that they did not yet realize to be solely and purely their own back in the day, back during the Buffalo Soldier days. But today, many go in because they have a true calling and they know that this country is the greatest, most exceptional nation on the face of the planet. They know this. And so when we think about uh, how we have evolved, and that's what's, that's what's happened. We have evolved in so many ways, but yet we are at the same time devolving 
in ways that Dr. King would have never imagined, Malcolm X would have never imagined, uh, us devolving. It seems as though the closer we get to the prize, the more you have someone or something wanting to crawfish, crawfish you back into the pail, into the bucket. The closer you get to the prize, huh? keeping the eye on the prize, you remember that? Keep your eye on the prize, you remember that? Huh? That's actually the Apostle Paul. You have to press forward to the mark of a higher calling. You press toward the prize, right? You keep your eye on the prize. But it seems as though the closer that some get to the prize, the more there are some who want to crawfish you back into the bucket, the pail. And somehow I I think that, in, in my way of thinking, I'm thinking that those who came before us, I'm talking going all the way back to Dwight Eisenhower, who actually put on the table the first civil rights bill in 1957. Yeah, the one that uh, Lyndon Johnson and John F. Kennedy voted against. Huh? You're, you're aware of that, right? Yeah, it was D- Dwight David Eisenhower, a Republican president, who actually put the first civil rights legislation in front of of Congress. It was voted down. And two of the people who voted it down are now legends of the civil rights movement. Isn't that strange? But you never hear the name of Dwight David Eisenhower, who tried to put it through eight years before Kennedy ever came along. Johnson was in the was in the uh, the Senate. Well, Kennedy Kennedy was, too, because Kennedy voted against Eisenhower's uh, civil rights bill. He voted against it. So did Lyndon Johnson. Uh, get my movie. Get Runaway Slave. We have it. In, we, we, it's an award-winning film. Get it. You will see the truth of this matter. And so I'm thinking that the, the even Dwight Eisenhower, Martin King, Malcolm X, you name them. Everett Dirksen, the Republican senator from Illinois, if in fact he had not voted in the affirmative in 1964, the Civil Rights Act would not have passed. So it's 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 always been the Republicans, the the the, the party of free men, that's always pushed forward legislation that somehow now Democrats take credit for. But you know, I know, and I share with you daily the true essence of how this game is played. And the story of history, the the history is always recorded, history is always told by those who are in power. Are you hearing me? History is always told by those who are in power. But you know, I'm also thinking that if Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington, were to actually take a look at the opportunities that are so readily available for the former Negro in this country, as they were. If Booker T. Washington, who was a Negro, 
uh, if Frederick Douglass could see the opportunities that's available to black people in this country now, in a time when he was politely, if called politely, a Negro, if he could see the advantages that we squander on a day-to-day, month-to-month, year-in, year-out basis, and then want to be victims behind the squandering, if, in fact, they could see it, they would not believe what their eyes would show them about the uh, attitudes that black America has toward a country that they paid big dues, huge dues, for us to have the benefits that we have today. And yet, for some reason, we would like, the progressive liberals would like for you to think that you're battling 1965 all over again. You're not. I was there. I was 10 years old. I've drank from the colored and white water fountains. I drank from them both. And let me tell you, white folks, something. Uh, if you think the water, you were getting a big deal on, on drinking from a, a white-only water fountain, wrong. I drank from them both. The water was the same. But if young people today somehow think that they're living in the 60s, they are woefully wrong. And the opportunities that's all around America today for young whites, young blacks, for them to squander it is absolutely shameful. No less than a, than a crime, especially when you take into account those who came before you who wish, who would have done anything to have the same type of opportunity that you enjoy at this point in time. And so today we're going to take a look back at the uh, Buffalo Soldier and uh, perhaps why he joined uh, the military, why he went into the military. Uh, I want to, my my great-grandfather was Spanish-American War. He would have been considered a a Buffalo soldier. But we didn't know much about it. The family, you know, never, only here in the last 20 years, 30 years, has anyone paid attention to great-grandpa's story. All you know is that, uh, you know, he was in the Spanish-American War. But there's a lot, a lot of history there. That we don't know. I wish I had known. I, I, I'm telling you something. I wish that my grandfather had been able to tap in more to his father's story as a Spanish-American War veteran. I wish that my father had tapped into his father's story more as a World War I veteran. And I would to God that I had tapped into my father's story because he was a World War II veteran. Why didn't we pass down these stories? Why didn't we? But they would be absolutely, including my father who passed away 40 years ago, my father would be absolutely stunned at how we squander the opportunities that he and my mother fought valiantly for. And and when you look at the, the state of education in this country, the first schools that I went to were absolutely segregated. Yeah, Central Free Methodist. It was a, a black private school. My dad was able to send me to a, a Christian school. Even then, that was the best education. 
But we had second-rate books. Yeah, it, it was just that it wasn't the, the public school. But we had second-rate books because they were hand-me-downs from other schools, other white private schools. They were hand-me-downs. Yeah. And so, and so the, the, the educational system here in this country, even though when I was in school and then finally went on to public school and junior high school during the integration period, we integrated. Strange thing about integration, it drove the private black school out of business. Oh, yeah. Now blacks go to school with white folks. So the education, the textbooks were different. They were better. And it drove private black schools out of business. For those who wanted their child to have a a decent education, it drove them out of business in their own neighborhoods. Because now black people could go to school with white folks who and you had better books. Right. So there was no real need to spend that money on a private school. And the private schools went out of business. Okay? And there was one thing that we always knew about the black teacher. We knew this about him or her. And I'm not saying that uh, integration was a bad thing. I'm not saying that segregation was a good thing. I am saying this, though. There was one thing that every student, every black student knew in a segregated school for themselves that they didn't have to be told. They knew that that black teacher wanted them to succeed. They knew that. And there was a statement or a mantra almost among black folks back in that time. And it was called being a credit to your race. Yeah, You had to be serious about education so that you could be a credit to your race. And the whole idea was not to be a victim, but to be victorious. That was the whole idea, was not to be a victim, but to be victorious. And so that's what we must continue to do is shed light on the victorious aspects of life in America for everybody and how we make that work for everybody. And the, and the only way to make that work for everybody is to get everybody in the mindset that they live in an exceptional nation, not a perfect nation, but an exceptional nation that if you want to, You can be whatever you want to be. That wasn't the world that my great-grandfather grew up in. That wasn't the world that my grandfather grew up in. It certainly was not the world that my father grew up in, and it was not the world that I was born into. But it is the world that any child born after 1980 (laughs) you were born into a world that was totally, totally, totally different than the one that I knew. And you, there is no way that I am going to let you get away with uh, 
plagiarizing, stealing, uh, the stolen valor that is so amazing that's going on today of civil rights workers. There's no way that I'm going to let you steal their valor because you can go to any sandwich shop. You can eat at any restaurant. You can try to get any job if you pull your pants up that you want. You can do, you can be president of the United States if you do the right thing to do it. If you want to do it. That's one thing I will give Barack Obama credit for. Barack Obama wanted to be president. And so it was. You can do it. When I was coming along, what's not going to happen? Uh, In fact, we were not even going to entertain that happening. You can do it. So I'm not going to sit here and let any of you confound the issues of the times that we live in by saying that somehow we're living back in Jim Crow era. That is the biggest lie that can possibly be told. You don't know what Jim Crow was like. I do. So please don't insult those who came before you and actually endured that type of thing. I have written on the back of the bus. I have gone and sat through the, at the other end of the counter where only black people could sit or go around to the back and get your food from that window. I've been to Negro Day at the State Fair, the only day that black folks could go to the State Fair. I was there. So don't tell me, millennials, and those of you born after 1980, that somehow you're living in Jim Crow America. Please. But the progressive liberals would have you believe that. They want you to think that. And they're not going to rest until they have you totally brainwashed into thinking that the most prosperous nation on the face of the earth at this moment, with the most booming economy, with the most jobs that are available, we have 7 million jobs in surplus, meaning we have more jobs available in America now than we have people to fill them. In some states, we have 2% unemployment. The national unemployment rate is 3 0.5%. Black unemployment is historically low. Latino unemployment historically low. Do not tell me. Black millionaires are coming out of the woodwork. Do not tell me that you're living in Jim Crow America. You'll be an idiot to believe that. I'll be back. This is the C.L. Bryant Show. We're going to talk more here with you when I return.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL back with you on this great day in the USA. As you all know, Jane and I have moved uh, to the Colorado Rocky Mountain Range here, and uh, it is absolutely gorgeous. It really is today. It's a uh, sort of snowing outside and and everything cold and and all of that. And I want to thank all of you for helping uh, make this show as popular as it has become here over the most uh, listened to talk platform in the nation. That is Red State, Red State Talk Radio. If you're traveling through Times Square, be sure to look up above Ripley's Believe It or Not, and you will see the Red State uh, billboard there uh, above Ripley's. And every hour, 24 hours a day, the C.L. Bryant Show does pop up on that billboard, and old CL's face is looking right back at you. Hey, folks, we were uh, talking about the contributions of those who came before us and how they might actually be totally appalled at uh, some of the attitudes that people born after 1980 take toward race civil rights and uh, the exceptional nation that America has become and the, the nation that it is. Frederick Douglass would be surprised at the attitudes of blacks toward this nation. Uh, Martin Luther King, I do believe, would be surprised. Booker T. Washington and certainly Dwight David Eisenhower, who put the very first civil rights bill in front of Congress back in 1957 that Lyndon Johnson and John F. Kennedy voted against. The Buffalo soldier who roamed the plains of America and the West, uh, his story is so silent in uh, our country. It wasn't the last maybe 20, 30 years when Glory uh, came out. It was a great film. Morgan Freeman, Denzel Washington, host of great uh, uh, movies. Uh, Matthew Broderick, they uh, starred in this film. And one of the questions that I want to talk about with my next guest, uh, Peter Vicenzi, is um, going to be, could we actually make a film like Glory today? Would that be possible? I want you to help me welcome to the show uh, uh, our press secretary at FreedomWorks. And if you want to become a part of a movement, you be sure to go to FreedomWorks.org, FreedomWorks.org. Org and become a part of a movement that is dedicated to educating American public on the uh, realities of what has made our nation the most exceptional on the face of the earth. So help me welcome uh, to the show now my good friend and also our press secretary, Peter Vicenzi. Welcome back to the C.L. Bryant Show. How are you, friend? 
Hey, CL. How's it going? I'm good. Thanks for having me, having me on again. Really glad to have you on, Pete. Uh, and, you know, you and I, I forget what city we were in, but we were having lunch or we were having dinner. And uh, yeah. you and I, we were kicking around uh, a lot of topics that we could talk about and so forth. Uh, as far as, you know, doing radio and what have you. And you happen to mention to me a question. You have to ask a question. And it has been something that's been on my mind. It's been almost a year. Um, could the, the film Glory be made today or would it come up against a lot of pushback because maybe it's not politically correct what do you say about it well first of all you know that's probably one of the most politically correct historically correct um and you know a bigger picture movies you know ever made civil war if you're looking at everything that's ever been made that's got to be one of those accurate presentations um you know there's a couple minor details people will get into but if you're looking for you know the um the black american soldiers life in the american civil war and kind of what happened that's what you want to watch i mean it's an excellent film you've talked about it's got you know it's rare that you have a movie with all these big stars in it that's actually good to be uh to, to start with but uh you know just you're talking about freedom works you know place we both work freedom works activists or um you know the people in glory would have been freedom works activists these days i think yeah yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right. Uh, as far as that's concerned, uh, Pete, I think you're absolutely right. As far as that's concerned. Um, let me ask you this, then let's sort of identify who the Buffalo soldier is, was how they get the name. Pete, you've done some research on this. So talk to us about who the Buffalo soldier was and were they you already mentioned that they were depicted correctly in the movie Glory. But there was a broader uh, uh, mission that the Buffalo Soldier uh, was about as well. Talk to us a little bit about him. So, yeah, you, you're, you almost got it right there, CL. Um, but we got to take this one step back. Uh, the Buffalo Soldiers, the, the ones you're talking about, so they were the uh, uh, black soldiers who served in the U.S. Cavalry, the uh, 10th and 9th Cavalry Regiments in the Indian Wars. You know, what we're talking about fighting out west uh with you think of fighting against the indians building forts protecting settlers stuff like that that's what the uh you know we know the buffalo soldiers today uh but just to we'll get back to them in a sec but to take a step back we gotta look back to the the american civil war and that's where you know glory comes in uh and these at the outset of the civil war you didn't really see black soldiers serving in the union army uh that's you know Due to the prejudices of the time, uh, many in Congress didn't want blacks serving alongside white soldiers. Lots of reasons for that they gave back then. Um, you know, much of it just grounded in, uh, in race. But at, as the years went on, finally, uh, you know, people came around to the idea of, you know, having uh, black soldiers serve in the Union Army. And some of the first people pushing this were people like Frederick Douglass. Uh, you know, one of one of the first Republicans, one of the best Republicans, in my opinion, and he said something that I remember uh, goes along like, uh, "Once let the black man get upon his person the brass letter U.S. Let him get an eagle on his button and a musket on his shoulder and bullets in his pocket. There is no power on earth that can deny that he has earned the right to citizenship." Now he's talking about he's talking about their black soldiers serving in the Union Army, and finally. Congress gives the approval uh, for the Union Army to start raising regiments of black troops. Now, it's not like today where you have, uh, you know, 
um, a, a desegregated army and everyone can serve alongside each other. These were regiments of uh, black soldiers led by white officers. And I'm, you know, if you've seen the movie Glory, you're familiar with that. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Lincoln ends up crediting these guys with, you know, helping turn the course of the war because, you know, the American Civil War, you know, tremendous casualties on both sides. By the end of the war, uh, what we call the U.S. Color Troops, which were these regiments of black soldiers, they were essentially the shock troops of the Union Army. And they're, you know, Grant credits them as some of the best depth disciplined soldiers in the Union Army by the end of the war. So you can really point to them as helping turn the course of the war. And, you know, in my opinion, they embody, you know, what this war is being fought for uh, on the side of the Union. I mean, they're in some cases, literally soldiers off to free their families, who the people who have fled slavery and come back, um, as they say in glory, come back fighting men uh, who are, you know, there to liberate and to, you know, restore the Union. And when but, we, Pete, let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because I want to interject this into this conversation. When we think about the film, the movie Glory, uh, of course, you had uh, someone, Denzel Washington played this character. He played a character who was uh, an escaped slave. Uh, he was angry, but he found pride in exactly what Frederick Douglass said he would find pride in. And that is the fact that he was able to contribute to his own freedom. Is that still the thing that uh, I think when we talk, not, even if you're not in the military, but I'm talking about activists that we have throughout the nation as uh, uh, two, two people who uh, work with Freedom Works. Isn't that still very important to the American story to actually contribute to your own freedom and liberty? Talk to us. Of course it is, CL, and, you know, it's about enabling people to do that. Uh, I, I'll go back to another um, Frederick Douglass qu- uh, quote that I know. Um, it starts as, uh, there is no Negro problem. The problem is whether the American people have loyalty enough, enough, or honor enough, patriotism enough to live up to their own constitution. About the founding ideals right there. Uh, the, you know, the the whole idea of our constitution that all men are created equal, and in Denzel's case, in glory, he is fighting to, you know, ensure that all men are created equal. I mean, that's the um, uh, people talk about how slavery is the original sin of the United States. And they're, you know, they're correct about that. And like I said, uh, you know, the black soldiers, the U.S. colored troops and the U.S. Civil War are kind of the, the manifestation of that fight. I mean, they're literally man fighting to set his brethren free. Absolutely. And folks, that is still the fight, whether you're and certainly we want to glorify and we want to buy a meal every time you run into uh, one of our men and women in blue in a restaurant, pick up the tab uh, for them, uh, do that type of thing. But I'm talking we're talking expanding that to you, the Americans. Liberty and freedom is still something that is necessary to be fought for and to be won, to be gained. You know, uh, Pete, uh, I'm really glad that you mentioned on uh, both of your your statements, uh, Frederick Douglass, as well uh, as uh, he was a great friend of Lincoln. He was a great friend of the uh, movement to give women the right to vote uh, and, and all of that. And the statements that he's making now do you think that somebody like Douglas, and of course, uh, full disclosure, Peter grew up 
uh, in a white family. I grew up in a black family. But we're having this conversation together because it builds the bridge. This is the conversation that America White and black, whatever color scheme you happen to be, and it's a shame that we have to always refer to each other in that way. But since we do, uh, for the sake of conversation, this is the conversation that America should be having. And Peter, why don't we have this conversation? What is political correctness? Where did it come from? And is it poisoning our American um, ability to converse? Uh, well, to answer your last question, I think it definitely is, and I think that you hear the most political, the most calls for political correctness uh, coming from people who themselves aren't political, politically correct. You know, they're putting on a charade. The people who I've heard in my own experience—I mean, I grew up in Deep Blue, Maryland. I went to a liberal arts school. The people who talk about political correctness are rich white folks. That's what I've uh, seen, you know, across the board every time. And these are people who, uh, you know, would treat a black person differently when they came in the room purely because of the color of their skin. It's where you get all the things about, uh, you know, tokenism and treating people differently, like literally just because of how they look. But you see that, I think, it's still an anecdote, but I think most people would agree with me. You see that most often from, uh, you know, wealthy white liberals. They are the biggest hypocrites on the planet white liberals are the biggest hypocrites on the planet and you know who goes along with the white liberal as the biggest hypocrite on the planet the black liberal is also the biggest maxine waters is the biggest hypocrite one of them on the planet why because that's the tent that liberals live under it's a tent of hypocrisy pete i think we saw a little bit of that uh when we uh we're going down this rabbit trail when we saw the impeachment of the president uh that we saw the hypocrisy everywhere and friends when we talk about the attitude of liberals toward black people i have experienced what peter has talked about my guest is peter vicenzi who is on with me press secretary for freedom works uh, the world's most renowned united states most renowned grassroots activist organization go to freedomworks.org but pete i saw what you uh, identified when i in some places that i still go today if i go to the northeast i can walk into a room and i know i know that they're treating me in such a way i mean it may be good it may be bad what have you but they actually treat me differently just because i happen to be black conversations change Just because I happen to be black. And I'm thinking that until we are able to change that, uh, we will continue to have the problem. Is it possible that uh, you're uh, many years younger than I am? Your dad and I are in the same age bracket. So you're as young as my son. You and my son are in the same age bracket. Is that going to are you all going to change this, Peter? And how are we going to do it? Hey, uh, well, you know, the, the best thing I can tell people is, hey, read your history. That's what I've told people for years. I mean, I told people that in college. The people who are, you know, purport themselves to be the most politically correct are usually the ones who've never cracked the history book. They couldn't have told you any of the stuff we were just talking about, about the U.S. Uh, college during the Civil War. It's because they don't, they simply don't understand context. 
And, you know, in my opinion, I, it seems to me I, I've got plenty of, you know, very smart liberal friends, but you have plenty of, uh, most conservatives understand the founding ideals of this nation and how they, you know, there's no racial lines for that. There's no identity politics in any of that. It's all about the individual and the content of their character. And that's what makes us the, the, the different country in the world, the best country in the world, because of our founding beliefs. And by engaging in identity politics, you take the best part of America and throw it out the window. You know this, CL. Yeah. And you know what, uh, Pete? I, I think uh, you, you've touched upon something uh, that we really do need to have, and that is a Freedom Works Forum that will broach this particular topic with young people, people my age, black people, white people. We need to have a Freedom Works Forum. And wherever you are, you might need to put together a forum of your own and so that you can have a conversation. But you know what the problem is, folks? We have become so political correct we can't talk to one another anymore without becoming offended and uh, we we just can't and it's, it's 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 really a handicap that we have placed up on ourselves peter let me ask you this um as far as american history and i know that history is often told by the people who are in power and all that type of thing we understand that uh the native american story would be a totally different story in our history books if it was told by native americans but uh if we were to analyze why the black soldier the the soldier that we saw portrayed in glory uh why is their story not told uh as forthrightly as some other stories in your opinion why do you think that is you know know, i think a lot of it does have to do with um uh with reconstruction the way that reconstruction ended up in the late 19th century i mean you uh there's there's too much going on that killing reconstruction and what was it uh, 1879 and it, and it didn't go through as it was supposed to as uh, well Lincoln wanted to I mean it, of course you know Lincoln unfortunately is, is assassinated in the last couple months of the war on you know on Good Friday mind you you know take a look at that for what it's worth but uh, it, there are too many inherent how reconstruction played out that. This, you might have heard um, the lost cause. You're breaking uh, up. You're breaking up. Award. You're breaking up a little bit on me. On me there, Peter. Uh, go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you. Got you, got you real good there. Yeah. You've heard of the, uh, the 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 lost cause? Yes. It's a kind of viewpoint of the war. It's just, it, it is a revisionist. People talk about revisionist history today uh, about you know the uh, liberals are changing how we view our history, which is definitely true to some extent. But there's also revisionism when you talk about the American Civil War. Most of the, a lot of the views that we have been ingrained in American culture about the American Civil War actually came about as a reaction to the civil rights movement in the 1960s. It's, and that's where you lose these stories about the contributions of black Americans during the Civil War, like the U.S. color troops, like the 54th Massachusetts, was Connecticut, who my friend's, uh, you know, grandfather served, or great, great, great grandfather served. Hold that thought right there. Hold that thought right there. Peter Vicenzi, we're running up against the clock. Uh, you're listening to the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant. We're on with Freedom Works. Peter Vicenzi, when we return, we will continue. I was worth saving, so you came and changed my life. You thought- 
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. I do the best I can. Always lend a helping hand. And for the flag I stand. CL back with you on this great day. In the USA, we have been on with my colleague, FreedomWorks, FreedomWorks.org. If you want to become a part of a movement, be sure to go to FreedomWorks, FreedomWorks.org and become a part of uh, the nation's most effective, active grassroots organization. That is FreedomWorks. We have uh, its press secretary on with us and we have... uh, been talking about the uh, soldier, the the colored troop soldiers back in the Civil War era and why their story uh, has not been told as accurately as uh, it was told in uh, glory and why isn't it told for um, American young people so that we can understand that the contribution that was made by black soldiers and black people in particular uh, has been just as precious and important to this country as the contributions of any other soldier uh, that has uh, been uh, on the front lines or fighting wars for this country. And so, Peter, let's continue with uh, this conversation. You were mentioning to us that you have a friend whose um, grandfather, a great-grandfather, may have ser- did serve in the Ma- in Massachusetts, uh, what was that, the 49th? Uh, talk to us about that. Or, so he actually, yeah, this is a friend. I, I, I used to do uh, a lot of Civil War reacting back back in college and high school, which is, you know, a very interesting time in my life. But uh, one of my friends from that, his, uh, that's a white guy, his great-great-great-grandfather, uh, I believe, served, I believe, in the 29th Connecticut uh, U.S. Country. He was actually one of the white officers in the uh, in that regiment. But he's, you know, read his letters and goes to the African-American Civil War Monument here in D.C., and it can actually find his name on there along with the uh, the comrades the, the guy survived the war and everything but uh you know this is how i learned uh, so much about this you know it sparked my interest into reading up on you know kind of these uh in many ways forgotten uh regiments in our you know our national heritage it's important to keep remembering but still so let me go back to what we were talking about way earlier in the program and we were talking about could glory be made today and I want to be honest. I can. I. I'd say no. Do you agree? I. I would agree with you on that, Peter, because we would have to get through all of the loopholes of how it would make 
someone today. How long ago was it? Was thirty? How long was it? Twenty years ago? Twenty five? Thirty years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're we're talking thirty years ago that this movie was made. And Pete, this is the interesting thing about thirty years ago and today. Somehow our feelings have become more sensitive than they were thirty years ago toward race. I don't understand it. How is it that a movie like Glory could be made 30 years ago, but it could not be made in the year 2020 without political backlash? Does that speak to something, Peter? And give us let's let's talk about what does that speak to? I think it speaks to a sort of regression in our political landscape, in our national landscape, and certainly in our personal uh, lands, uh, uh, r- way that we treat each other as Americans. Talk to us about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the first thing I can think about is what's the end of that movie, or before the very end, what's the, in the final battle, what's Denzel doing when he gets killed? He's, He's holding up the flag. American flag. He's got the flag, holding- yeah, man. <laughs> wait, wait, are you allowed to do that in a movie now? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially, you know, uh, coming from Denzel, you, I could see people being pissed about how that movie ends, saying that, oh, he would never have done that for a nation that hates him. But he does that. Half their regiment died fighting for the, the freedoms they enjoy under the Constitution for our founding documents. And you, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that is amazing. You know what, Pete? I, I hadn't thought about that. You know, uh, he, uh, the, the cannons blew him away for sure. Uh, when, 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 the, when the gates opened, swung open, the cannons blew him away. But Denzel was charging down the throat of that cannon with the American flag. You know what? You're right, Pete. If, in fact, that scene was shot today... Denzel would be labeled an Uncle Tom. It, it's just it's just sad to think about. And, and this is the conversation, folks. Whether, whether you are ready for it or not, this is the conversation that has to be had. What has changed in America from then until now? Listen, man, I went to see this film at the theater. My wife and I, Jane, went to see this this film at the, uh, at, the, at the theaters. There were black people, there were white people, there were all types of people there. Listen, that scene, red, yellow, black, and white, whoever you were in the movie house brought tears to the eye. It did. Now it brings contempt. Pete, we have to turn this around. What can we do? What can we do on college campuses? Are young people open for this type of thing? Talk to us. Hey, young people are always open. Most of minds are empty enough to be a blank canvas. You know, I know enough people. <laughs> but, uh, we got, look at me. <laughs> but, um, no, hey, you know, you got to do, you got to get organized. Do what the left has done. The left gets organized and they get, they get organized at younger ages. You know, we have to start organizing and, you know, having our, you know, people join groups that make sense. Join groups like Young Americans for Liberty. Hell, even join your uh, your uh, college Republicans group because they're the only people who are going to stick up for these kind of things on college campuses. You know, when we, uh, Pete, I want you to stay with me even through the break. Got about seven minutes left in uh, this um, segment here. We have a lot to talk about. I want to close out our discussion on the uh, black 
civil rights soldier. And I want to touch now briefly on the Buffalo soldier uh, as far as his contribution was concerned to America. I've seen uh, I think it's in Birmingham. Is it Birmingham, Alabama? I've seen one of the gr- a great monument, Huntsville. It's Huntsville, Alabama, that I saw a great monument uh, to the uh, Buffalo Soldier there. You talked about the National Monument there in D.C. where you are. Um, give us an idea of uh, that Buffalo Soldier and the times where he lived in Many American soldiers, when they returned from Afghanistan, I know this happened to the Vietnam soldier uh, when they came back from Vietnam, is what the, the Buffalo soldier was not welcome in some places, as you were saying about the segregated uh, troops in World War One and two uh, before um, Truman integrated the, 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 uh, the military. Uh, is that something that people in America have always been prone to do is take out frustrations on the uniformed uh, representative of the American uh, government. Talk to us about that. I know that you like to study this type of thing. Yeah, you know, it's something that we've seen time and time again in American history. But, you know, like we were talking about earlier, just to be clear, Buffalo Soldiers are the they were U.S. cavalry soldiers who served out west in Indian country during the Indian Wars, uh, late 19th century after the Civil War, and they had their precursors in the U.S. colored troops that we just, you know we talked about. But the Buffalo Soldiers were cavalry who you know fought the Indian Wars. They built forts. They protected settlers, and also you know they also protected Indians against other Indians or settlers, things like that. They basically were federal troops out in the west. And these are the guys who fought in uh, Cuba during the Spanish-American War, who helped uh, Teddy Roosevelt storm San Juan Hill. They covered him, actually, while he, he did that. He helped, they helped him take it. Uh, and these are the same guys who took part in the Pancho Villa raid. But the reason a lot of them actually served was because of prejudice that they found in their own communities, because a lot of them came from the American South during Reconstruction. And the reason a lot of them joined the Buffalo Soldiers, these uh, like the 10th and 9th, uh, U.S. Cavalry regiments is because they were guaranteed certain rights under the U.S. Constitution that weren't, uh, uh, you know, enforced in the uh, anti in the uh, postbellum South. And this, my friends, is why we need to have this conversation. What if liberals were telling this story? They would tell it from a standpoint of victimhood. The standpoint that Peter and I are trying to tell this story from is a standpoint of victory and victorious. Uh, it, it is all contributed being victorious. It is all contributed to the strength of America. Peter, you are a millennial, and uh, I want to ask you um, this question. Then, when we talk about uh, how to get across a message. Is it important for us to understand the workings of uh, social media? Is it important to engage one another, people in my age bracket, to engage with you in your age bracket on social media? How important is that? I have about three minutes left in this segment, but I want you to stay with me. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's important to be on social media and be engaged, especially, you know, the thing we do at Freedom Works for Holden, you, you have to hold your elected officials accountable. If you see them posting stuff that you don't like, you let them know about it. Hey, you 
you're their constituent. You got to let them know. But it's also important, you know, just if you see stuff on your Facebook that you think is wrong, call it out. You know, make sure you're right, but call it out. I, too many people get away with complete BS on their uh, their Facebook feed, you know, uh, filling everything with lies that, and no one calls them out on it. I see it every day. I see it from you know my friends, and of course, there's people you never want to talk to your comment on, but you know you got to put people in their place sometimes. And sometimes, folks, that's exactly what must occur. Peter, when we return after the break, I'm on with Peter Vicenzi, uh, the press secretary for FreedomWorks. Go to FreedomWorks.org and become a part of a movement. And when we come back after uh, the break... Peter and I are going to talk about some things that are going on at FreedomWorks and some things that uh, you might want to go to that website and find out how to become involved with, especially if you're living up there in the Virginia, D.C., Maryland area. Uh, You might want to become a part of some of the things that are going on. You certainly want to tune in to the um, uh, newsletters and the news releases that FreedomWorks has. And Peter is the person who can hook you up and tell you how to get involved with that. And we're going to talk about that when I return with more of the C.L. Bryant Show right here coast to coast and border to border throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet. I want to remind you all that if you're traveling through Times Square, look up above Ripley's Believe It or Not. And uh, right above that iconic building is the Red State Talk billboard. And every hour on the hour, the CL, well, not on the hour, but every hour in the hour, the CL Bryant show pops up there on that billboard. And old CL's face is looking right back at you there in Times Square, just about a block and a half from where they drop the ball in Times Square. Hey, friends, I'm going to tell you one more time be sure to download free the C.L. Bryant Show app onto your favorite device. If you don't get both hours of the show, be sure to listen to it on the C.L. Bryant Show app. T-H-E, the C.L. Bryant Show app. We're going to return after these brief words after the top of the hour with Peter Vicenzi, who is the Secretary, press secretary for FreedomWorks, Washington, D.C., FreedomWorks.org. I'm CL. Be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm just a pilgrim on this road, boys. I'm just a pilgrim on this road, boys. Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show.
Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known. And that is... America. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming along with us for the second hour of the C.L. Bryant Show. And if you don't get both hours of the C.L. Bryant Show, download free the C.L. Bryant Show app onto your favorite device and listen to us wherever you go. All the shows are archived right there on the C.L. Bryant Show app. And so, Thank you for coming along with us. Follow me on Twitter at Rev, R-E-V, C-L Bryant, at Rev C-L Bryant. Tell a friend about the show. We want to thank you for helping us become so popular over the most listened to talk platform in the country. That's Red State, Red State Talk Radio. And uh, I have been on, uh, last hour, uh, I was on with Peter Vicenzi, who is the press secretary for Freedom Works Washington D.C., uh, an organization I've been associated with now for over ten years, and um, Peter is doing a great job as our uh, press secretary. And uh, I want to continue a conversation that he and I have been having. And be sure to go to Freedom Works, FreedomWorks dot org, FreedomWorks dot org, and find out how to become a part of a movement that is educating and mobilizing the largest grassroots activist uh, movement in uh, the nation. Peter, I want to uh, talk now about um, what Freedom Works is, what it is that uh, we should be paying attention to as far as the work of an organization like Freedom Work and give us a, an idea of what your role is with Freedom Works. Well, thanks, y'all. Always happy to talk about this. Give our mission. Hey, so Freedom Works, if y'all aren't familiar with it, is the nation's largest conservative grassroots activist organization in the country. We've got over six million people coast to coast, and we're here dedicated to the issues of small government, lower taxes, individual liberty, and the American rule of law. You know, that's an important one these days. We saw that with the impeachment sham they tried to pull on President Trump. We saw that with uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh. You know, the left is mobilized and here to try to destroy our national institutions and our norms, our way of life. And, you know, we're here to stop them. But you can use all your help if you log on to www.freedomworks.org. Uh, you'll see me on there. I handle our press and media. I uh, do a lot of our written work. Um, you, you'll see anything I you know I write on that website. But you know we'd happy be happy to have anyone on on there with us. Uh, we will be your eyes and ears in Washington D.C., and we will help you hold your member of Congress uh, accountable. Absolutely. And you know what, folks, uh, when we think about uh, what is at stake here now. Uh, for us in the year 2020. Uh, Peter, are we uh, as conservatives um, running the risk of becoming lackadaisical because of the 
uh, disarray that the Democrats seem to find themselves in? Or is there a growing concern over our country's future that will and should cause others to become a part of a, a, a mammoth organization like Freedom Works? Uh, give us uh, your take as press secretary on the pulse of, of America. What's the temperature like in the country right now? Talk to us. Uh, it, it might be, you know, it might be February, but it's hot as always. <laughs> hey, you know, it's cold out there in, uh, out in the plains in, uh, in Colorado, or I guess you're up in the mountains now if you're in Denver. It's, you know, we, the left is mobilized and we saw it with impeachment. I was in, on Capitol Hill, uh, during the impeachment sham and we saw that the left was busting in people, you know, every day. These are people they found. You know, they're paid protesters that they bring out. Our own people are out there, our Freedom Works activists who do this on their own accord and come out because they're here to defend liberty. Uh, we're out there and they were, the left tried to intimidate them. They tried to start fights with them. We had to have a Capitol Police escort because we were simply walking around trying to visit our own members of Congress and telling them how we felt about the issue of impeachment. The left had people out there who were standing in hallways, heckling us, staring at us, like, you know, intimidatingly. Uh, they wouldn't let us eat lunch alone. They had to come over and harass us. You know, I can tell that they're out in force and they're ready to try to steal this election away after President Trump inevitably wins it, which means that we all have to be at the polls on uh, on Election Day. You know, you know, Peter, what you have just said, you know, a lot of people don't take that seriously as far as the left actually bringing in, bussing in uh, their own protesters, people who are brought in to create rabble, folks. They, they do this. You know, Peter, when I look at the contrast between how we would treat them and the way they treat us, I don't see how people with any eyes to see or ears to hear can mistake the, the, the stark difference between the mobilization of Democrats and the steady march to uh, a certain drumbeat that we're, we're conservatives are hearing now. Uh, there is a marked difference. That's real. The, the Dems are actually pulling out all the stops. Talk to us about that. Hey, they're going to try to oppose anyone who is, you know, uh, put up for office these days. They're going to they're going to fight back against anything good that President Trump tries to put through uh, for this country. You saw it since day one, but they're on year three of this. They're getting desperate, and you just got to wonder what's next. You got to wonder what is next. And folks, uh, later on the show, uh, we're going to talk about that because uh, hopefully this time next year. We will not be talking about Speaker Pelosi. We'll be either talking about Speaker Jim Jordan or uh, maybe uh, who knows. That, that, that's the one I'm going to put out there. <laughs> OK, that's what I'm gonna, that, that's what I'm going to put out. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to even mention. I'm not going to even say anything uh, as far as the other one named Kevin is concerned. I'm not going to even mention that. But uh, but just the same, uh, we would love to see a Speaker Jordan. And that's going to be part of our fight here uh, real soon after uh, 2020 election is uh, who will be the Republican Speaker 
of the House. That's going to be uh, a, a pretty good contest. I certainly hope it is. But, Peter, uh, when we look at uh, young people's involvement in this 2020 race, of course, I'm a part of Black Voices for Trump. But, of course, we have all types of age groups who are a part of that. But let's talk specifically about young people. Would they be out of their minds not to vote for this president? Talk to us. Hey, if you care about having a job and making money, I'd be voting for this president. I mean, <laughs> the Democrats might uh, you know, promise you a check in the mail every month, but you, we all know how socialism works. That, that doesn't actually you, – eventually you run out of money, right? Other people's money. Hey, there's a good reason to, you know, to keep voting for uh, – you know, Republicans vote for, uh, vote for President Trump. And, I mean, if anything, it's – You've seen how the left is acting. I mean, they want to destroy everything about this country that, you know, we all hold dear. I mean, they they want you to be on every they want everyone to be on a government program for something. Yeah. (laughs) You can't pick your damn like your, uh, you know, which restaurant you're going to get at or what health care you get. Where are you going to go to school? It's all going to be on a government program and some some mindless bureaucrat. In Washington D.C. is going to pick that for you. Do you really want that? I mean, this is this has been their playbook, but it's actually you said. Look who's in, look who is the front runner right now for the Democrats. It's Bernie Sanders, the guy who honeymooned in the Soviet Union. What yeah. more do I have to say there? <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, that that leads me to ask you this, Pete, especially you being uh, in the uh, right on the well, you're on the verge of leaving the millennial generation. But just the same, uh, <laughs> going to be a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but just the same. Let me ask you this, then. Let me ask you this, then. What is the appeal of socialism to the millennial crowd, I saw a poll that was disturbing uh, a couple of weeks ago that said more millennials uh, are leaning toward and in favor of a socialist brand of government. Peter, that, that that's frightening. What is the appeal? What's the attraction? Do they understand it? Do they understand what's being said here? Talk to us about why is this so appealing right now? Why is Bernie Sanders even a front runner? Mm. Well, I mean, that's the age old question. Is why do these you know, younger people enjoy socialism? And, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's a like crack a book. Have you seen how this has acted on the rest of the world? How many, you know, millions of people are dead now because of such an ideology, such a destructive ideology? Look at China. Look at Russia. They're both, you know, are or were socialist states. This is the most destructive ideology the world has ever seen, and it brings nothing but misery but promises, you know, utopia. We're never going to achieve that. And this has come home to America now. I mean, we're seeing it, just like I said, with uh, Bernie Sanders, who's now an avowed socialist. Hey, I you know it's almost like a broken record when Republicans call Democrats socialists yeah. every year at the box office. All right, if you have the ballot, the ballot box, not the box office. <laughs> Probably the same thing, though, because you look at Hollywood. But um, you, uh, it's, this time it's true. Look who's the front runner. Yeah. It is true. This time, it is true. And you know what, uh, Peter, um, 
we had talked about, folks, we have covered a, a gamut of things. And in case you're just tuning in, uh, you definitely want to uh, hear uh, this show. And I believe this show will be replayed on replayed on Thursday. Of course, we're live here uh, today, Monday. But uh, we, this show will be replayed on Thursday. And if you missed uh, this show, if you missed any portion of it, be sure to grab the replay on Thursday. We've, we've been on with Peter Vicenzi, who is the secretary, press secretary for Freedom Works, Washington, D.C., uh, the nation's largest grassroots organization. We boast over six million activists throughout our country nationwide and um, Peter has been on with us we talked about this and I want you to think about this because I'm sure that I'm going to be on some other programs speaking about this here in the very near future but this raises a question we raised the question could a film like glory be made today 2020 and when we come back after the break we're going to talk about that and why it could not. Peter and I have talked about that. Peter, I have about uh, four minutes left in this segment with you, and I'm going to give you uh, a couple of minutes here to tell the folks uh, all of the contact methods to get in touch with Freedom Works and give us some of the things that's going on uh, in the organization and with the organization here coming up in the near future. Talk to us. Yeah, thanks, Dale. So, uh, you know, FreedomWorks, you know, we're the nation's largest conservative, uh, small government grassroots organization in the country. We are dedicated to issues of small government, lower taxes, individual liberty, and the American rule of law, the most important thing these days. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can find us at www.freedomworks.org. You can find us on Twitter at FreedomWorks. And same thing on Facebook. Uh, you know, come check us out. We'd be happy to uh, help be your eyes and ears in Washington, D.C., as we work to hold your member of Congress. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Peter. And uh, listen, God bless you and God keep you. Peter Vicenzi, I want you to uh, continue to fight the good fight. I know that you will because you are. Are uh, the next person from Freedom Works that I need on with me, Pete, is Noah Wall. Get Noah Wall on me. I had uh, had Adam on a couple of weeks ago. Adam was on with me a couple of weeks ago, and uh, if you didn't, I think I sent that uh, clip to to uh, you all. But uh, I want to have on with us more and more people from this organization, and of course, Black Lives uh, Black Black Lives Matter. <laughs> Black voices for oh my goodness that was a Freudian that was certainly Freudian uh, black voices for Trump I want to have uh, us on more and more here on the CL Bryan show but Peter I want to thank you for taking the time to be on with us here today fight the good fight man uh, and I'll talk to you real soon thanks a lot great thank you CL I appreciate it I'm CL this is the CL Bryan show that you're listening to and that was Peter Vicenzi um, uh, press secretary, Freedom Works, Washington, D.C. A lot going on uh, in the country right now. A lot going on for us to pay attention to. Um, the question uh, that we have raised today, and it's one that I'm sure um, need to be raised even more uh, throughout our country, and that is, could the movie Glory be made today? 
You remember uh, the one with uh, Matthew Broderick playing the white officer, um, Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman playing enlisted um, uh, so, uh, Union soldiers, black Union soldiers. And um, that was made back in the 90s, back in 1990. Yeah. Yeah, that movie was made back in the 90s. 30 years ago, that movie was made and there was not much hoopla about it. I, I, I think, I can't remember how many academies it won. I think it won several Academy Awards. I'll have to check that. But the Academy Awards, um, you know, over the weekend, that, that's what happened. And, you know, uh, they are so politically correct now that one of the greatest movies, one of the greatest films ever made with black actors who are still acting, by the way, in Hollywood, they could not go and make that movie again. Not today. So when I come back after the break, I want to unpack this. I want to talk to you, talk to us about this. Because there has been some type of change. There evidently has been some type of shift in the way we think in this country. And if you ask me now, you know, you ask. (laughs) If you ask me, I think that it has not been a change for the good. Oh, if we go back 30 years um, to 1990, we would not, uh, there would be no Barack Obama. Bill Clinton would not be president even yet, not 1990. Bill Clinton was not even president yet in 1990. You had um, all kinds of things going on. But Bill Clinton would not have been president in 1990 when glory was made. What has changed? Something has changed. Somehow the entire script has been flipped. Up is down and down is up now, especially when you take into account that a movie like Glory. Yeah, the one with Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman, a movie like Glory and Matthew Broderick. That movie could not be made now. Why? Because something has shifted in a direction that we really do not need to go in. It's shifted toward a direction that we really do not need to go in. Are you hearing me? And we're going to unpack why that direction will be bad, detrimental to our future. When I return with more of the C.L. Bryant Show.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL back with you on this great day in the USA, and I want to thank each and every one of you for coming along with us as we build a bridge to conversation throughout our great nation, the greatest nation on the face of the planet. Uh, greatest success story the world has ever known. I have people who take exception to me saying that um, that the Amer- that America is the greatest nation on the face of the planet. You know what they ask? I, I actually got this question. Uh, see how how do you know America is the greatest uh, nation on the planet? Have you visited all the nations on the uh, on the planet? I mean, how do you know America is the greatest one on the planet? First of all. I don't have to visit every planet, every nation on the planet to know that this is the best one. <laughs> Listen, call anybody anywhere in any of the other nations and ask them, where do they want to go? <laughs> They'll tell you America. Uh only and and we 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 talked about this in in the earlier uh, segments of the first hour. Only rich liberals, white or black, doesn't matter who they're. Only rich liberals take exception to American exceptionalism. Yeah. And yeah, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to the topic at hand. Can can the movie Glory be made uh, again? But this goes along with it. Because what rich liberals, black or white, fail to understand is that once you get into a certain bracket of income, of earning it's very easy to forget that the rest of the world exists. Oh, I don't think you're hearing me. It's very easy to get to a point to, uh, to, to believe that uh, and forget that the rest of the world exists. Easy to get to that point. Let me, let me give you, for instance, of, of why, why you can see you can how you can see this for yourself. You see, any elite, any any liberal who grew up uh, being able to do anything they want to do. And this is black or white. Oh, yeah. There are so many black folks who have made plenty of money. Their kids, uh, their feet have never really touched the ground. They've never gone barefoot outside a day in their life. I mean, total tenderfoot will be that until the day they die. 
they are so out of touch with what America is all about that they can be they, they feel as though socialism and, and America is being unfair to everybody because evidently they are doing well. Why isn't everybody doing as well as them? What those idiots don't understand is if we lean more toward a socialist form of government, their way of life goes away. Those idiots are actually working against their own way of life. Now, even though the silver spoon liberal uh, child, black or white, probably did not earn the money, somebody did. And the thing is, unless they are a trust fund type of situation baby, they will soon not have the money that their hardworking parents worked for if, in fact, the nation goes in the way that Bernie Sanders would like it to go. Not necessarily Buttigieg, but Sanders would like this to go in a way where their way of life would go away. It would go away. And these trust fund babies, these liberal elite babies, they're too stupid to realize that if, in fact, folks don't work, folks like them don't eat. Somebody earned the money. Whether they gave it away, whether they are putting it in trust for their kids or whatever, somebody had to earn the money. And somebody had to pave the way for that earnings to occur. Now, thus, we get to the question, can a movie like Glory be made in today's America? No, it could not. Denzel, Morgan Freeman, uh, Denzel, not so much as Morgan. Morgan is a ultra liberal. Denzel, um, well, I'm familiar with him. I, I I know I don't know Denzel personally. I've met him on a couple of occasions, but I don't know him personally. But I know the man who know the man. And Denzel is much more conservative leaning than uh, a person may think. Mother being a, a a minister and all that type of thing. Okay. But if he and Morgan would make that film today. First of all, I don't think Morgan Freeman would make the film today because uh, Morgan has become so politically correct. I think Denzel very well could. I know Matthew Broderick probably would, but Morgan probably wouldn't make that film today. Whoopi Goldberg would talk about him too bad if he made that film today. It would not be politically correct to end a film like Glory with black soldiers being blown away holding the American flag. No, um, people who are in that a liberal elite status right now want to kneel before the American flag. 30 years ago, when movies like Glory was made, it was a proud moment to realize that black soldiers paid the price for idiots like Kaepernick to kneel before the flag. <laughs> huh? Who plays for the National Football League, by the way. And he kneels before the national flag with some stupid harebrained idea that he and those in the National Football League are prone to be rousted by the cops. It doesn't happen. If it does happen, my friends, it happens on the same scale that it happens to whites. 
That's the fact of the matter. But because it's a political football and because it's a uh, emotional hot button to make that a forefront type of topic is poisonous because when you talk about the inner city you're not talking about young black men in particular you're talking about old black people who would like to live out the rest of their days in peace but they can't because they have young thugs in the neighborhood who won't let that happen. And so who do you call? You call the cops. And so what happens when you call the cops into a neighborhood that's crime infested, that old black people are really wanting to live the rest of their lives in in peace? What happens? Well, you have confrontation between criminal and police. It happens. I don't care what color you are. That happens. And the liberal news media, they love to play up any circumstance where black criminal meets police. Jesse Smollier, or as uh, it was said by uh, Dave uh, David C. <laughs> Juicy Smollett, the uh, the French actor. Juicy. Juicy knew this. He knew that if he were to say it, the media would make it real, as they have. They did it with Trayvon. They did it with Michael Brown. They did it with all of that. And what amazes me is that so many white people buy into that crap. Black people naturally buy into it because it's an emotional topic. Uh, but what really amazes me is so many white people buy into that crap. Folks, I have been, uh, I've seen both sides of this street. Both sides of the street. I have relatives who are police officers. I have relatives who are in prison. I've seen both sides of this street. And the, the street that they're wanting you to drive down, the place that they're wanting you to drive down in America today is a street that will certainly lend itself to your be, to you being unsafe in America. Definitely so. The soldiers who fought for their liberty during the Civil War and then those who joined the ranks uh, of the military during the move out west, the manifest destiny push out west. They would be absolutely appalled at the type of vitriol, vitriolic uh, attitudes that exist in this country present day in the midst of so much opportunity, prosperity for everybody. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. 
the one reason why uh, Mr. A does not succeed at the mode as Mr. B in present day America is because Mr. A does not have the motivation that Mr. B may have. It has always broken down that way. Go back to uh, go back to elementary school. Go back to high school. Go back to your freshman year in college. To go back to your college days. Peek in on the lives of the people you went to school with. Peek in on the lives of the people you went to church with, that you grew up with. Peek in on their lives. What will you find? You will find that no one succeeds at the same rate. I don't care who you are. I don't care what color you are. No one succeeds at the same rate. Everybody can't be Michael Jordan. Everybody will not be Steph Curry. And everybody will not be Mahone, who has just won the Super Bowl last week. Can't be. Everybody will not be Larry Bird, and no, everyone will not become President of the United States. Why? Every, it, it just it, it, because people succeed at different rates, and some succeed to the most elevated positions that there possibly can be. There are others who want to get there, but they never will. Huh? I, I was a pretty good athlete in, 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 in high school and college, but I would never be Michael Jordan. I would never be uh, Hussein Bolt. I was a very good. I ran track. I had a, I ran a four, six, four, five, forty. Back in my days, I, I weighed one hundred and fifty pounds back in the day. I could fly. But. I didn't succeed at the rate that my colleague and classmate uh, Vern Henderson did who had Olympic speed I didn't have the interest in it that he had I didn't succeed the way he succeeded how come you have winners and losers on the football field it's because somebody's got to lose and I know that that is very unpopular in this country right now. Everybody's supposed to get a trophy. Everybody's supposed to get a plaque. Everybody's supposed to get recognition. But there is an advantage. There is, in fact, a true advantage to losing sometimes. Not all the time. Losing sometimes actually gives you, if you're a winner, if you're a winner, you hate to lose but winners lose. Those San Francisco 49ers, hey, they, they were winners up until the point they came to where that game where they lost. What are they going to do, cry about it? No. Come back next time. Win. I sure hope the Cowboys get this message. Come back next time and win. Because that's the nature of life. And sports, even though we, we, we pay people big money to pay, play games and all that type thing, if you watch it real close, you will see that there are some who compete fiercely and some who don't. 
Life is the very same way. There are some NFL teams that are that will never be very good because all they want to be is an NFL team. They don't really want to win because they are not doing the things necessary to win. You can always tell a team, though, that wants to win. Oh, yeah. They do the things that is necessary to make themselves winners, regardless of who it hurts, regardless of what it looks like. They want to win. And what's happened in America today is this. You have a generation, maybe two generations now, that are coming about and they want the victory to be handed to them. They don't want to fight for it. You people out there in my age bracket, you uh, uh, 60 to, to, to 75 and 80-year-olds out there, you 55s to, to, to 80s out there, I want you to hear me. You 50s to 80s out there, the 30, 30-year bracket, I want you to hear me. Most young people don't have, I'm talking about kids uh, in their 30, 35 to that 50, 35 to 50, 30 to 50, that 20-year gap. They don't have their own stuff. They, they don't have their own stuff. And they're being taught that they can't get their own stuff because somehow the man has his foot on their neck. Even though unemployment's low, you can get a job. And in America today, in the tech, tech field, oh, man, the sky's the limit. Is how much money you can make. You can make an incredible amount of money. It's opportunity everywhere. But everybody won't take advantage of the opportunity. Everybody, everybody never does. So I don't know if that, I don't know if that came out properly in the vernacular of uh, the way we should speak. But not everyone takes advantage of opportunity. Perhaps that's the best way to say it. Not everyone takes advantage of opportunity, even though it's staring them in the face. Not everyone takes advantage of it. And it's happened since kindergarten, and it will happen the rest of our lives. So equal outcome is something that is unrealistic. It will never, ever be realistic. Utopia actually speaks of a place that does not exist. Literally, the word utopia actually speaks of a place that never has and never will exist. But this is what Bernie Sanders likes to talk about. I'll be back. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant Show. We'll close it out after these words. You thought I was worth Changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for 
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. I do the best I can. Always lend a helping hand. And for the flag I stand. CL back with you on this great day in the USA. Home stretch of the CL Bryan show for today. And if you don't get both hours of the show, download free the T H E V C L Bryant show app onto your favorite device and follow us wherever. You go. Follow me on Twitter at Rev R E V R E V C L Bryant. Um, yeah, folks, I, I can't let the day go by without talking about this because this is now being called um, it, 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 the death toll from this coronavirus, and you're going to be seeing um, a, a sort of frenzy. I've gotten word from some people that I know out in California, uh, homeless, work work with the homeless. Uh, There is a growing uneasiness there among them because of this coronavirus. The death toll in in, uh, China has surpassed what happened with them with SARS. Uh, the death toll now in China is uh, at 811. There has been a, a death, a confirmed death here in America uh, from this. And uh, I think we're well able to keep it more contained than uh, the Chinese. But this is the problem with the Chinese figures. If, they, if they're telling you that 811 are dead... There's a very good chance, friends, that there's 8,011 dead. Okay? We don't know. Uh, And in times like these, they go to DEFCON 5 where they close off uh, China, which it should be closed off uh, right now. And um, there's a a huge, huge, huge crisis going on. And um, it is being called... Uh, an enemy of mankind. That's what this virus is being called. It's being called uh, an enemy of mankind. China's um, ambassador to Great Britain uh, has identified this uh, bacteria, this um, virus, as an enemy of mankind, and so. This is very, very uh, important that we pay attention to what's going on. I know it's here in America. It's flu season, and 
you know, it's um, cold and, and all of that type of things. It's that type of season, almost a perfect storm for something like this to uh, take us unawares. But there's no need for it because you are hearing all of the alarms that are going off. And so pay heed to it. Pay heed to it because this very well could become a pan. Well, it is a pandemic because it has reached other other shores. But uh, this could be um, a huge scare. And we don't want to get hysterical about something that we don't uh, need to be. We do need to be very, very cautious. Um. There was a an uproar the other day about um, Mr. Vitman being escorted, Alexander Vitman uh, being escorted out of the White House. Um, there is a suggestion that he may have had uh, a role in leaking information to a whistleblower whose complaint triggered President Donald Trump's impeachment. Now, of course, the left is trying to make this guy out to be some type of hero. He's not. He's not. First of all, there was nothing that the president did that no other president has done. Huh? There's nothing that he did. That no other president has not done. Okay? And two, no other president has ever had the first three years of his presidency as successful economically as this president had even in the midst of even in the midst of Russia collusion and in the midst of being impeached. Do you, I want you to understand something. It takes incredible character to stand up to that type of onslaught and remain coherent. Do you, are you hearing me? It takes incredible character for that to to happen. And the president exemplified that. No, you know what? Let me tell you. I have known many a successful men who were very, very uh, rough spoken, not polished at all. Would I vote them to be president of the United States? I Yes, I would. Why? Because they take care of business. Your business has not been taken care of by the so-called progressive liberals who live on Primrose Lane in their minds. They want to attack this president for being rough, gruff, verbose, and uh, all of those types of things. Yet they don't want to acknowledge the fact that in spite of all that, he takes care of business when they don't. 
The hypocrisy has reached a level now that you listen, I'd much rather Nancy Pelosi be uh, Barbary Nancy, Barbary Coast Nancy, and she takes care of my business than to be somebody in a, a white dress who's not taking care of my business. And we're talking about American business. We are talking about what they were sent to office to do. And no, impeaching a successful president was not a part of the deal. But I got good news for everybody. He's been exonerated forever. Yeah. So will the Democrats get back to taking care of our business? No. These idiots are actually trying to find ways of how to hold on to office so so they can do what? So they can try and impeach him again. Does this show you the level of lunacy they have this this has risen to? This is absolutely insane. We want them to take care of infrastructure. We want them to take care of our business. Continue helping the president build our military because we have enemies coming. Let's strengthen ourselves and bolster up our health care system together. Let's do that. You haven't taken care of that business. You fought everything that has been placed out there because it was placed out there by a president that you hate. Why? I don't know. Because this president has brought this nation to a place of prosperity that it hasn't seen in 60 years. And you want to impeach him. The level of hypocrisy is absolutely amazing. So, my fellow Americans, from coast to coast, border to border, I want you to pay close attention to what happens in the next 10 days. This is what you're going to see. You're going to see the Democrat hypocrisy heightened even more. First of all, Bernie Sanders is their front runner. They don't want him to be their front runner. The second place person, even though he got one Iowa, he's still polling at second. Mayor Buttigieg. Uh, Pete, Mayor Pete, they don't want him either. They're not quite ready for Mayor Pete. And quite frankly, Mayor Pete's not quite ready either. I mean, you know, you don't go from being a mayor of a mid-sized town in Indiana to being president of the United States. However, if you happen to be gay... And articulate, it may play out and it can play out the same way it played out for Barack Obama. Yeah. Because the timing may be right. The timing may be right. But believe me, 
Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, the Democrat Party, they don't want Bernie. They don't want Buttigieg. Enter Mini Mike Bloomberg. And if you'd have asked me four weeks ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, if Mike Bloomberg could possibly be considered as savior of the Democrat Party, <laughs> oh, I would laugh. I would have scoffed. I would have laughed at you. <laughs> I laugh at you. But that's not so far-fetched these days. Actually, Bloomberg is beginning to look better and better to the Democrats because they can't abide uh, any of the real front runners. They don't like Warren. They don't like Sanders. And they're not ready for Buttigieg. Buttigieg, give it four years. I think the nation will be ready for you. Give it four years. I think the nation will be ready for you. And uh, right now, he has made the type of splash that a, a newcomer, young guy like him, needs to make. He's made that splash. He'll run. Um, he'll he'll run a foul of the Democrat Party. They'll find a way to push him aside and bring in somebody. Right now, it might be. Bloomberg, Bernie, get ready to be dissed and pushed aside, pushed overboard again, because it's going to happen. America's just not ready for you either as a socialist. But I tell you what we are ready for. We're ready for open, frank, and honest discussion on topics that we have avoided and evaded for far too long but you can hear it right here on the cl bryant show daily just tune in thank you so much for coming along with me and i want to thank god for bringing us to the close of yet another day i want to thank him for our men and women in uniform around the globe who defend our right to speak our minds and until i'm able to talk to you again i'm cl and may god bless and keep you all. I'm just a pilgrim on this road.